So before we get rolling, uh, if you're wondering, should I do a connect group? The answer is yes. Okay, so uh, before we get rolling, some of you saw a video we shared uh, yet on Friday. Uh, a young man pulled up to our doors and threw some things through our doors and broke our doors. So if you walked in, our door looks different now. <laughs> and um, we, we have a security team here at Mosaic, and they take their job very seriously. So we've also got some off-duty cops that are here uh, actually right now. And so we also have a bunch of guys who can fight. So, um, <laughs> what I'm, so, so if you're watching, um, what I'm trying, and some girls, yeah. Uh, what I'm trying to say is our church could beat up your church is what I'm saying. But, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but really that's not the, that, that's not the concern here. The, the concern is um, for this young man. And we don't know what's going on in his life. We don't know him, didn't recognize him. But the police seem to know who he is. And so they're working on that. But I want to pray for him right now. Would you join me as we pray? Uh, Father, we don't know what's going on in this young man's life that would cause him to do something like that, uh, but you know his situation, you know his story, Lord. And this morning, hundreds of people are praying for him. They're praying that he has, finds peace in his heart. And I pray, Lord, that someday uh, he, his story will be that he threw something through the doors of a church one day, and then later on he walked through those doors and he gave his life and surrendered his life to you. So we pray peace for him and that you would wrap your arms around him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So somebody... Uh, told me, they said, it's, it seems like the enemy is trying to stop what God is doing at Mosaic. And I thought about that. You know, a few years ago, a, a young lady drove her car through our doors. I don't know if some of you guys were here when that happened. They actually drove a car through the doors. Uh, not long ago, our church pickup was stolen. And then now this. And I thought, well, we're not stopping. And so we might as well... Um, Let's just put those doors on standing order if that's what it takes. We're going to keep reaching people, keep uh, seeing Jesus change people's lives, keep seeing Jesus restore relationships, restore marriages, and connect people to Jesus and help them grow in their faith. We are not stopping. So, uh, yeah, let's just keep going. All right. One other thing before we get rolling, uh, we are going to take a trip to Mexico, and uh, we're going to take a group of people, and we're going to pour a... Um, a concrete slab at an orphanage that we support so that they can have a basketball court and soccer, soccer court. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, it's going to happen June 29th through July 3rd. Um, we're only taking adults, unfortunately, no kids, but we're going to also do some painting and some other stuff. So I'd love to have you be a part of that. You can sign up at the Welcome Center. I had a joke that I thought was pretty funny about that, and Diane said it wasn't, so I'm not doing it. Okay. <laughs> so let's continue uh, this series that we're in. Uh, we're talking about changing and how Jesus changes everything. We're going to try and work towards answering one question this morning. The question is, why do you do what you do? So we're going to start out with a quick survey, and I'm going to ask you just three questions, and all I want you to do is just be honest and raise your hand if the answer is yes. Okay, so we're going to start with the first one. How many of you in the morning, be honest, when the alarm goes off, you hit snooze? Go ahead and raise your hand. How many? Okay. How many of you, uh, when the alarm goes off, you get up out of bed and you're up for the day? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you wake up sometimes before the alarm? You're the person that's early. You're always early to everything. Okay. You drive the rest of us crazy. All right. <laughs> Especially on vacation. We don't like it when you're like, let's go. We're no, 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 no. We're trying to relax. Okay. So that's number one. Number two. So the, so the question we're trying to answer is why do you do what you do, whichever way you do it, whatever you do in that situation, why do you do that? So second question, it's late at night, like uh, really late, 
and you're the only car out on the road, okay? It's lay, it's nobody else. You look around, there's nobody, and you get to a red light. How many of you are going to go ahead and wait until that thing turns green before you go? Raise your hand. All right, the Christians. How many of you are going to look around, make sure there's no cops or anybody else, and you're going to treat it like a stop sign, and you're going to go ahead and go? Raise your hand. All right. So those of you that, that do that, do you have a mosaic cross on your car? Okay, so, all right. One more. One more question. You go to eat somewhere, you go to a coffee shop or something, and they hit you with that. Haven't you seen this just, like you're going to go to your doctor pretty soon, and they're going to be like, how did we do, right? Um, how many of you, when you see this, you leave a tip no matter what? You just go ahead and you're just tipping, you're generous and whatever. Okay. How many of you, I'm only tipping if the service was good. Raise your hand. All right. How many of you, you're just not tipping at all? I'm Canadian. I'm just not going to tip, right? If you don't tip, do you have a mosaic cross on your, okay, sorry. Um, so the question is, why do you do what you do? Have you ever stopped and, and ever asked yourself that? Like, uh, you've, maybe you've gone your whole life and never really thought about why you do what you do. And let me answer you. Let me, let me help you understand. You do what you do because of what you think of you. Proverbs has thousands of years. Proverbs was written and King Solomon wrote, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Or as a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. In other words, you do what you do because of what you think of you. And so the, the, what we're going to try and do today is we're going to try and understand that a little deeper. And here at Mosaic, we believe that the Bible is true. And we, in, in this situation, we're going to see that science actually supports what the Bible says. This is Dr. James March. He was a researcher at Stanford until he died in 2018. But his team and his research found that in any situation, when any of us approach a situation, we subconsciously ask ourselves three questions, and then we that's how we decide what we're going to do in any situation. So here are the questions. The first question is, what type of person am I? Okay, so who am I? And when you face any situation, you ask yourself, you're going to categorize yourself. You're going to say, well, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Christ. Or I'm the kind of person that takes any shortcut that I can. I take care of my body. Or I hate working out. I don't work out. Or I save money whenever I can. Or I buy what I want, when I want, no matter how much money I do or don't have. Right? What kind of person am I? The second question we ask ourselves is what kind of situation is this? So you categorize yourself, then you categorize the situation, you sum it up, and then you ask yourself the most important question. What does a person like me do in a situation like this? So we ask ourselves those three questions without even thinking about it, without even realizing it. For example, let's say you're taking a test and you don't know the answer. But you look over and you can see your neighbor's paper and she's the smartest person in class. And so you can see the answer there. But you, so, so then here's what you do. You ask yourself, what kind of person am I? If you're the kind of person that's willing to cheat whenever you have to, then you say, what kind of situation is this? Well, this is a situation where I don't know the answer. I didn't study enough or whatever. So what does a person like me do in a situation like this? And then you would cheat. Or you would say, what kind of person am I? I'm a follower of Christ. What kind of situation is this? 
it's a situation where I need to pray right now that God would tell me the answer, right? This is a situation where I don't know the answer. So what does a person like me do in a situation like this? Well, I'm not going to steal an answer. I'm not going to take something that's not mine. So you wouldn't cheat. Does that make sense? Is this making sense? Okay. So let's, let's look at another example. You're in a, you have an opportunity to be generous and financially bless someone. So you ask yourself, what kind of person am I? I'm a follower of Christ, and I am blessed to be a blessing. I live to give. I'm generous. What kind of situation is this? Well, this person is in need, and I have the resources to help them. So what does a person like me do in a situation like this? I will generously give and bless this person. So back to your alarm clock. Your alarm clock goes off, and you say, what kind of person am I? Angel, you already know. You made us raise our hands. I know. I'm the kind of person that hits snooze seven times. So what kind of situation is this? Well, the alarm clock's going off. I'm really tired because I was binging Netflix till 3 o'clock in the morning. So what does a person like me do in a situation like this? I hit snooze seven times until my spouse makes me finally just get up, all right? Let's say someone cuts you off in traffic. What kind of person am I? I'm the kind of person that doesn't take junk from anybody. What kind of situation is this? This person did me wrong. So what does a person like me do in a situation like this? Well, I chase them down, I road rage, and then later on I'm asking Pastor Angel to write a letter to the judge telling him what a great Christian I am, okay? <laughs> Bottom line is you do what you do because of what you think of you. So why can't I change? Why do I still lose my temper? Why am I still doing things or looking at things that I know I shouldn't? How do, why do I keep going back to the same habits over and over? Because of what you think of you. So here's the key thought. If you want to change what you do, change what you think of you. Change the answer to that first question. What kind of person am I? Am I an, am I an addict? Or am I a set-free follower of Christ? It all comes down to that very first answer. But it can be tough to change the way you think of you when you've thought of you the same way your whole life. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to meet a man named Jacob. He was born a twin. He has a twin brother. So his brother Esau is born, and then we see him being born. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So a couple things about this. Number one, notice that our boy Isaac is 60 years old when he has these kids. That means they're going to be, he's going to be 78 years old at their high school graduation. Is this your grandpa? No, it's my dad, right? Sometimes I think that these guys are Mexican. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, the other thing I want you to know, I, was, I shouldn't have told, I just told that one in the first service too, and it wasn't right. Um, <laughs> the second thing I want you to notice is when Jacob is born, he has his hand on Esau's heel. So if I told you, you're pulling my leg, what does that mean? It means you're what? You're lying. You're tricking me. You're joking, right? You're pulling my leg. Well, in ancient Israel, they had a, a similar saying. You're grabbing my heel. What that means is you're lying. So when Jacob is born, his dad names him Jacob, which means liar or trickster. Now, 
today that's not what that name means, okay? So don't go to work and be like, I knew that Jacob was dirty, man. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not what it means, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an, actually a nice Bible name now. But, but back then, it meant literally liar. So he didn't, so, so today, if you did exactly what he did, he didn't name his kid Jacob. He named his kid Liar. Could you imagine naming your kid Liar? And so Jacob, sometimes we go through life and people attach labels to us. And sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not good. Like when I was, just, we have, uh, do you, does your family give nicknames? So when I was a kid, I was like four years old, and I thought the word auntie started with an H. So I would call all my aunts Hanty. And being in a good, loving, supportive Mexican family, nobody ever told me. They just started making fun of me. So everybody started calling me Hangel. So now I'm 51 years old, and my family still says, what's up, Hangel? They still say very hurtful things to me because I <laughs> didn't know when I was four years old, right? It's a label that I've carried my whole life, and maybe you've been like that. And some of the labels that we give are not a big deal. You know, Hangel doesn't bother me, all right? Someone said, hey, Pastor Hangel, after the last service. And I was like, dude, I'll jack you. No, I'm just kidding. I, it, it, it's fine. It doesn't bother me at all. Some are even good. You say, oh, you're so smart. You're, you're, you're so pretty. You're so funny. But some of the labels that, that we get put on us, maybe it was given in a moment of anger or spoken uh, in a heated argument. Maybe it was, it was given to us from a frustrated parent or an angry relative. And, and now it's this label that we carry around that's hard to shake. That It helps us, when, when we think of what kind of person am I, that negative label is also a part of that identity that we carry around, and it's not good. And that's what Jacob's life was like. His name meant liar. These labels have incredible power, and you have the power to give them to people. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and of death. Did you know that in order to balance out a criticism you've said to someone or a mean word you've said to someone, you have to give them seven compliments to balance out that, that negative because we, we grab onto negatives so much more than we grab on to positives. And maybe you're here, and I hope that, that you can think of a time when someone has spoken life over you. Or maybe you're here, and you're like, well, the only thing I can think of is the negatives, the death that people have spoken over me. So if, if you can't think of any positives, and I want you to listen to me, the Bible says you are the head and not the tail. It says you are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. You are the apple of God's eye. You are his son. You are his daughter. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Your name is written in the palm of his hand. God desperately loves you. And no matter what the enemy has told you or called you, you are a son or a daughter of the king. So maybe Isaac named Jacob Jacob as a joke. Maybe he didn't really mean anything by it, but, but we see as we follow Jacob's life that he lives up to that label. So as, at one point as they're young men, Jacob actually steals and manipulates and tricks his brother out of his birthright. Out of his, it'd be like him taking his brother's inheritance as the, as the oldest child. And his brother is furious. Jacob lies, he tricks, he tricks his dad, tricks his brother. And his brother is rightfully and understandably furious with him. He wants to kill him. 
So now they have this broken relationship. His brother's angry with him. They go their separate ways, and they don't see each other for years. They have their own families. Their life goes on. But then Jacob hears that Esau is looking for him, and he's got some guys with him. If someone says, hey, so-and-so's looking for you, and they've got some guys with them, you go out the back door. You know what I mean? You're like, it's bad. And so he becomes afraid. So look at what he prays. He says, save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. With this prayer, we can see that Jacob hasn't changed at all. He's still trying to manipulate God. Save me, God, I'm afraid. But if you don't care about me, what about the babies and the baby mamas? Save the baby mamas, God, because look at, we need to save the babies. And you see how he's still trying to manipulate and try to, try to trick God and, and try and twist God's arm? He hasn't changed at all. And God stays silent. He says nothing. So then Jacob comes up with a plan. He spent the night there. And from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. A bribe. That's it. If I just give him some awesome stuff, he's going to forget about how mad he is at me. And, and, and then we'll be good. Jacob is still doing what Jacob does. He's trying to manipulate. He's trying to trick. He's trying to move things around in his favor. So look at the gift he offers his brother. 200 female goats and 20 male goats. 200 ewes and 20 rams. 30 female camels with their young. 40 cows and 10 bulls. 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. Now, I don't know anything about agriculture, but that sounds like a lot. You know what I mean? Like, and then what he does is he tells all the, the herd keepers, he says, okay, you with the goats, you go first. And then spread them out and then leave some room. And then after a little while, the male goats go. And then after a while, the ewes go. And then after that, the rams go. So what he's trying to do is he creates this parade that he's sending his brother. And then he's thinking, at the very end, by the time I get there, the, the grand marshal of this parade of generosity, Esau's going to be overcome with my generosity, and he's going he's to forgive me. He's not going to be mad at me. Jacob is still being purely Jacob. He's completely embraced this label that he gave him of deceiver, that his dad gave him of deceiver, manipulator, and he's doing his very best to try and manipulate even now. But watch what God does. He gets to a stream and he sends everyone across. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. That last sentence, he sends everybody across so he's by himself. That last sentence seems to be a contradiction, doesn't it? He was left alone and then this guy wrestled with him. Who wrestled with him if he was alone? Bible scholars tell us that this was what's called the pre-incarnate Christ. This was Jesus before he was born to Mary. So Jesus is eternal. He's been there since the very beginning. Bible, John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. He is eternal. And so he shows up, and he wrestles with Jacob all night long. Now, if you never wrestled, this probably doesn't, like, really catch you that much. Like, not a big deal. But if you've ever tried grappling, I do jujitsu. I've told you guys that about 700 times now. Um, I've been doing it about seven years. And I've, your boy's got about two good minutes in him. 
And then after that, I'm tired. I start cheating. I start calling names, talking about people's mamas. Like, I'll just do whatever I got to do. I'll gouge eyes, whatever. So, to, so the idea of these guys wrestling all night long is pretty overwhelming. But what God did is he put him in a place where he cannot trick or manipulate or lie his way out of. God physically, physically grabs a hold of him and re- makes him wrestle with him. So then, and, and it says they wrestled all night long. Sometimes God will allow you to be in an uncomfortable position or in an uncomfortable situation. Sometimes it's a mess that you created for yourself. And God's going to let you sit there for a little while and see if you can wrestle your way out of it. God's okay with letting us struggle a little bit. I know sometimes we say, when we hear a little boy crying, oh, no, 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 don't cry, baby. And they run to him. I say, let him cry a little bit. Let him feel the sting of his own bad decisions. Oh, my, my, my baby's never going to struggle. Then you're not, you're not doing them any service. You're, you're hurting them. You've, sometimes we've got to let our kids struggle a little bit and fight. That's exactly what God is doing here. If my baby ever ended up in jail, I'll let him spend the night there. I agree. Let him. Let him feel the, the sting and the pain of his bad decisions. So that's what Jesus is doing here. He's wrestling with him. This is what happens next. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. So what Jesus does is this, he's like a dad wrestling with his four-year-old child. Jesus could easily overpower him, but he doesn't. He restrains himself, and he's wrestling with him. And then what he does is he dislocates Jacob's hip, his, his hip socket, pops it out. That's got to be incredibly painful. So he's, he's now in, in great pain. But he won't give up because he knows he's wrestling with God. Then the man said, Jesus said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He's desperate. And he says, I know who you are. And I know this is my chance to change my life. So I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. What he's saying is, I know you were the God of my grandfather Abraham. And I know you were the God of my father Isaac. But I need to know who you are. I need to figure this out. And I need you to show yourself to me. Maybe your grandma was a Christian. And she was praying all the time. That's wonderful. Maybe your mom was a believer. She was always reading her Bible. That's great. But that doesn't mean anything for you when you stand before Jesus. Because one day, every one of us is going to stand by ourselves before the Lord. And he's going to ask you one question. Do I know you? And your answer better be yes. Because if it's not, let me tell you, hell is real. And people who choose hell are going to be separated from God for an eternity. But if you, so that's kind of what's happening here. God is looking at him, and they're wrestling, and they're fighting. Every one of us have to decide. You know what, he, you know what he's, he's doing? Look, look what he, he asked him next. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. He's asking him, who are you? He's asking him, what kind of person are you? He asks every one of us the same thing. At some point in your walk with Christ, he's going to ask you the same. What do other people know you as? When you're not around, what do people say when your name comes up? What's your reputation? What, what kind of person are you when nobody's looking? When you're all by yourself and you can get away with anything you want, what kind of person are you then? And Jacob is very honest. What's your name? Jacob, the liar. The deceiver, for the first time in his life, he's being honest. I'm the one that they said was a bad kid. 
I'm the one that they said would turn out to be a loser. I'm the one that they didn't want their kids around. I'm the one that if I was at your house, you wouldn't leave me alone because you'd be afraid I'd steal stuff. I'm that kind of guy. And when you wrestle with God, he'll ask you the same thing. What is your name? Who are you? Really? Well, be behind all of the, the, circum all the pomp and circumstance, behind all of the filters on Instagram and all that stuff, who are you really? And he's not looking for the name on your license. I'd be like, well, my name's Angel. Some people call me Angel, right? He, he, God's not looking for that. He's looking for, tell me about the things that made you who you are. Tell me about those negative labels that have stuck to you, that sting when you think of them. Tell me about the things that happened in your life that made you the person you are now. Let's talk about that stuff. Jacob's very honest. My name is Jacob, the one that lies. Now, let me, as your pastor, those of you joining us online, those that are here in this room, as your pastor, when someone commits their life to Christ, this happens every single time. God starts wrestling with you. Is this the kind of person you're going to be? Is this what you're going to be? Who are you and what kind of person are you? Jacob, he answered. Look what Jesus says. Then the man said, your, no, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. God changes his name, changes his label. Your name's no longer liar. You know what your name now is? It's winner, because you have wrestled with God and you have won. Now, sometimes this process is overwhelming, and people say, you know what, that's too much. God, I'll stay right where I'm at. God will let you do that. You can stay where you're at your whole life. The last thing I want to do is get to heaven and see what I left on the table. I, the last thing I want to do is get to heaven and, and God say, this is what you could have been. This is what you could have done, but you stopped me. You wouldn't go. You wouldn't let me change your name. I don't want to live like that, and I don't want that for anybody here. So when God says, your name will no longer be Jacob, let's embrace that new identity that God is offering us because Jacob, his name is now Israel, and Israel becomes a powerful nation because of this moment where he surrendered and wrestled with God. Look what happens next. Let's finish this. So Jacob called the name, the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. For the rest of his life, Israel walks with a limp. That doesn't seem right, does it? Like this was God's plan for him, that he would limp in pain for the rest of his life. So everywhere he went, Jacob is, or now Israel is now kind of walking like this. That's like a gang member. I don't know. I don't know how to limp. I'm sorry. If you're, if you're a gang member, I'm glad you're here. So... Yeah, yeah. Invite your friends. Can I be honest with you guys? I want this to be that church. I want this to be that church that makes other people uncomfortable because of who will let in the door and who will allow have a, to have a seat at the table. That's what, I'm okay with that. Yeah. So why did God do this? Why does he leave him with a limp? Here's why. Because when God changed his identity, he also wanted to change the way he walked for the rest of his life. That was good, Angel. Say it again. Say it to this side. Okay. 
When God changes your identity, he also wants to change the way you walk for the rest of your life. He wants you to never forget that moment where he changed everything and now you're going to walk differently because of his identity change. Some of those old things, Jacob gave up. And Israel now is walking in the way that God wants him to walk. I'm okay with that. If God wants to take some things out of my life, including my ability to choose where I walk, I'm okay with that. As a matter of fact, I want him to do that. I want him to direct and order my steps. And I hope that that's what you want too. Let's pray. Father, you know every heart, you know every situation, you know every person in this room, you know every person joining us online. Today, Lord, when we ask that first question, what kind of person am I? Today, God, we surrender. And we invite you into, the, into our hearts, into our lives, into the, those core areas of our identity. Lord, we, we surrender. And we say, whatever you want, Lord, it's yours. Our lives are yours. However you want me to walk from here on out, the answer is yes. If you want me to walk with a limp for the rest of my life, so I'll remember this moment, the answer is yes. Please, Lord, change our names. Change our identity. So that when we get to that third question, when we get to that question of what does a person like me do in a situation like this, we always start out with, I am a follower of Christ. So I'm going to do in this situation what God would have me to do. I'm going to walk even with, if it's with a limp in the right direction. Use us, Father. We surrender. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last chorus with us? What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. identity that you want to change. Me too. Me too. But I know that I can't make those changes without Jesus. And we never want to end a service without giving you the opportunity to invite Jesus into your life so that he can start to change you and work on your heart. So I'm going to ask everyone to say a prayer with me. There's nothing special behind the words. It's, it's your heart behind it that matters. So with every eye closed, head bowed, please repeat after me. Dear God, Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to die on a cross for my sins. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I need you. I pray that you wash me and make me new. I make you number one in everything I do. Help me to serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you said that prayer for the first time, we just want to say welcome to the family of God. You could not have made a better decision for your life, and we want to walk alongside you. I know that it can be scary and, and lonely when you don't know what to do, so we want to be a part of that with you. So we're asking that you scan this QR code behind us and um, give us an opportunity to just be a part of that journey with you. You guys may be seated. So I don't know about you, but when worship ends on a Sunday morning, I get really sad. And it's not that I don't love Angel or Ben or whoever's speaking, but the worship is my favorite part. And if that's you, I invite you to come tonight to our worship night. It starts at seven o'clock. It is just an, an hour of, of your time to come and refresh for the month ahead. We do it the last Sunday of every month and it's a different, it's a different experience than a Sunday morning. And so if you haven't been, I invite you to come tonight at seven o'clock for a worship night. Another thing that we do every month that is another great way to start your month is First Saturday Prayer. So that will be the first Saturday of every month, so February 3rd at 9 a.m. Again, you just come and we spend a little bit of time together just praying, praying over what we need in our lives, but also praying over our church and the needs of our community. Um, and so I just would love to see as many of you here as can come next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And uh, as you saw in the video, we do have our Connect Group Leader uh, training coming up on February 4th at 4 p.m. So please don't miss that if you want to join or lead a Connect Group. And our last announcement is for the ladies. We have our very first uh, Galentine's event coming up on February 8th at 7 p.m. If you came to our Christmas event, you know that it was so much fun. We love to spoil our ladies and love on them and just give them a time to come together for fellowship and for fun and laughter and a refresh. So we would love to see you guys here. You can register on our website just by clicking that QR code. We would really love for you to register so we know how many of you to expect. Uh, next, we're going to go ahead and finish our service with our tithe and offering. So I don't know if you guys know, but our church is part of an organization called The Ark the Association for Related Churches. And what this organization does is it helps plant new churches all over the country. So last year they planted 40 new churches and we got to be a part of that. So what, you, yeah, go ahead. That is something to praise for sure. So thank you guys for, for just being generous and for partnering with us. And if you call Mosaic your home, we ask that you just continue to do that. And there's four ways you can do that. They're up on the screen. Would you pray over this morning's tithe and offering with me? Dear God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to do your work, not just here in our community, God, but all over, all over the world. Lord, I thank you for a generous church, God. I thank you that you let us be a part of getting more people in the boat. God, and I just thank you for being a God that has chosen our identity, that we don't have to look around and wonder who we are, but we know that with you in our lives, God, and the Holy Spirit in our heart, that we will be the best that you need us to be, God. I just pray that, that as we leave today, Lord, that we would remember the words that angels spoke, that we would remember to, to think about you and to look at you when we're, trying, we're making those decisions. God, I pray for safety for our congregation as they leave today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, and with that, if you need extra prayer, our prayer team will be up front. And if not, we'll see you tonight at worship night.